a uh, special speaker, Dr. Mario Sacasa. Dr. Mario now works with the Willwoods marriage community, right? Has his own website and uh, a very, very good podcast. Truly, he's a great interviewer and brings on great guests for his podcast. So check out his podcast, Always Hope. Really fantastic man. Great to, to call him a friend of mine as well. So let's welcome Dr. Mario Sacasa. All right, everybody. Well, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for the gift of this evening. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of life, the gift of faith, being able to have a moment here, Lord, where we can just breathe and just receive your goodness. And Lord, I pray for grace and blessings to be upon all these students that are here this evening. Bless them in their studies. Bless them in their work. Bless them in their lives and their discernments. Lord, I pray for this community of Christ the King. I pray that your grace may be with Father Andrew and with all the campus ministers and everybody, Lord, that has a role in making this ministry happen. Please bless them. And so, Lord, we pray for your spirit to be with us this evening as we reflect on dating and uh, the challenges, Lord, that are in the dating scene, that we believe, Lord, that this journey, this discernment um, is part of your plan for us. And so we pray, Lord, for your grace to to fill us this evening, to open our, our eyes and our ears, to be able to receive, Lord, whatever you desire for us to receive. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Praise the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as Father Andrew said, um, I'm, a, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And, uh, and so I've been in practice for a little over 15 years, which means I've heard a lot of stories. I've heard a lot of stories. A lot of different types of couples have come to me over the years uh, to tell me the good and the bad. Um, I've also had the privilege of working with a lot of young people as well to help them in their discernment, um, whether it is dating couples trying or single people trying to decide what they think their question is, what their, what their vocation is, where God might be calling them. Or I've also worked in the seminary and offer lectures uh, at seminaries to help men with their discernment. I've also counseled religious sisters and a whole host of different people. But I guess what I want to say is at the outset is that my type of counseling or my brand in terms of what I do is really just trying to find the points of integration between what our faith teaches us about human relationships, human psychology, the human spirit. What is, there's great treasures that our faith communicates about what good behaviors are and what leads us to personal fulfillment and happiness and how to be able to overcome struggles. Together with what the science teaches, because I think as a practicing therapist, I have to lean heavy on the science as well. And so what does the science teach us about healthy behaviors, overcoming depression, being able to make good decisions. And so trying to integrate both of those has been the, the sum of my, of my, been the focus, I would say, of, of my career, whether that's through the counseling itself, through lectures like this, or through podcasting, or through um, the, the resource that I just created called Dating Well. So tonight what we're going to be doing is we're, we're going to be talking about dating. 
So what we're doing now is I'm going to give about a 30-minute lecture on dating just to kind of give some general thoughts, some general principles uh, on the topic. Um, but then we're going to open it up. And so we're going to go 45 minutes of Q&A. Uh, so we'll try to end this thing at 8.15. And, uh, and then I'll stick around for a few more minutes after that. If people got to get going, that's fine. You can roll out. But, but we'll stick around and we'll have a, maybe some casual conversation for a little bit after that if people still have some more follow-up questions, all right? So let's begin. All right. So, you know, the thing about dating is this. You know, there's, there's different stages when it comes to dating. And really, there's different stages when it comes to relationships. And I like to think of it as really being five particular stages uh, that are there when it comes to relationships. And the first one is friendship. You know, that's just, there's no romantic involvement. Just being friends, you, you kind of like the person, you can hang out, have a good time together, but you know, there's just, there's just nothing there, and it's great. Guys and girls can be friends. Yes, guys and girls can hang out. No problem. That's fine. No issue there, but that's just friends. There's something beautiful also about co-ed relationships and co-ed friendships, especially groups like this, where you kind of learn on each other. You know, sometimes the, the girls got to call the guys out when they're acting like boys, you know, and, and sometimes the guys got to call the girls out as well on other things. And so sometimes it's just good friendships are capable of being able to support and to love and to encourage one another. Perfect. That's awesome. Then the next stage, when we get into kind of casual dating, and casual dating is kind of just that. There's no, you're just kind of getting started. Maybe you see somebody who you kind of like, and they're kind of cute, and Maybe the barista at the coffee shop over here, you kind of had your eye on her or him for a couple months, and you're like, hey, maybe I just need to ask that person out and see what happens. And casual dating's fine. There's no real commitment. You haven't really grown in much intimacy. You're maybe you're kind of casually dating a few people at a time. It's no big deal. That's fine. But then you get into kind of more intentional dating. That would be the third stage. That'd be more of the boyfriend-girlfriend. That's when things kind of get more serious. I would say that's, again, when we're speaking of, of dating as a discernment, this is the stage really where you're really doing that act of discerning. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then if things go well, then you move into engagement. And if things go well, then you move into marriage. But the thing about these five stages is that they, they, they build on one another. You know, so, so good marriages, we'll start over here, excuse me, should still be friends. Couples that, that have been together, the couples that, that, that thrive, the ones that make it over the course of a lifetime, those are people that are still friends. They still like each other. They still like getting up in the morning and actually spending the day with the person that they're married to. Couples that aren't friends, those are the relationships that last. Similarly, couples, married couples that are still dating, still exploring, still trying to understand who the person is, still want to know what their favorite movie is and want to be able to finish their sandwiches or sentences or any of that dumb stuff, right, that we talk about dating. You still want to be able to do that. You guys got to keep up with me. Or I'm just going to let you know that, right? You, you have all permission to laugh, and even if they're dumb, that's okay. So, But you got to... Couples who do that are couples, married couples who do that are couples who, know, who continue that even in the course of their lifetime. So it's not that these are like strict, you know, kind of silos that you move from like one to the other as if it's like a video game and you graduate to the next level. Like, do do, yay, all right, made it to the next level. Yay, we're dating. Yay, now we're getting engaged. Yay, now we're getting married, right? It's assumed, rather. It's assumed into the next stage that you presume that as you get married, yes, we were friends and we're still going to be friends. When we get married, we were dating and yes, we're still going to cultivate some of that into our relationship. So what separates then the, three, the five stages really is three things. It's intimacy, um, commitment, and then kind of like a responsibility for the person. So let's talk about this for a little bit. When you're friends, you're kind of sharing, having a good time. You know, you maybe 
But you have certain boundaries, you know, maybe certain levels of intimacy that you may not go, whether it's emotional and certainly physical, right? Friends with benefits, well, you're at the wrong talk if you're expecting me to, you know, endorse that. So just letting you know, that's not what we're going to go because that crosses all sorts of other lines. So physical intimacy certainly should build on emotional and spiritual intimacy. So emotional intimacy certainly is at a certain level with friendships. Then you're starting to casually dating. Again, you kind of get to know the person, offering a little bit more. Hey, that's cool, all right? Then when you actually start really dating and being with somebody for an extended period of time, that's when hopefully you start getting some deeper conversations. Intimacy grows. As intimacy grows, a desire for commitment grows also. Because, again, friendships, just again, casually, hey, cool, we're friends. Yeah, we got each other's back. We support one another, absolutely. But, you know, as, as you kind of start casual dating, okay, but then as you're more intentionally dating, similarly, like you can see that there's an increase in commitment and then even more so when it comes to marriage. So I'm not saying at all that the commitment in marriage is the same thing as the commitment on a first date. Do you understand? You see how it kind of graduates. And if you're with somebody and you can see that there's some value, like when you're really together and you start seeing that like, man, like we're really intentionally dating, we're boyfriend, girlfriend, things are going great. And your heart kind of moves towards that. It's like, wow, I can, I can see, I want more time with this person. I want to be more committed to this person. Now, of course, commitment is challenging because commitment requires making a decision. And that requires shutting the doors on other things. But we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then when I talk about, like, um, responsibility, I don't mean that, like, codependency. You're not responsible for the other person. But in the sense that, like, as somebody is sharing more with you, as somebody is opening up more to you, you have a sense of wanting, a duty to want to take care of that. And you also, that person becomes the person you, you, you lean on more. So at some point, the person that you're dating who becomes your boyfriend, I guess saying happens gradually, should eventually become your best friend. That should be the person that at some point, when you need a ride to the airport, they're the first person you should be calling. When you need a little help, they should be the first one that you call. Again, these things happen gradually, gradually, you know. It's, it's a steady development. So because my background is in developmental psychology, I like to think of these things, again, sequentially, developmentally. It's we're, we're, we're moving up from one step to the other. And this is important because the goal of, again, casual dating, the goal of casual dating is just that. Maybe you want to meet some people. Maybe you're new to the area, looking for friends, looking to hang out. Hey, no problem. As long as you have physical lines in place, no big deal. But the goal here of intentional dating is really that this is an act of discernment. You're, you're trying to figure out, like, A, is God calling me to marriage? But more specifically, B, is God calling me to marry this person? So at some point, the sermon isn't just an abstract thing. It's very concrete. Am I called to marry the person that is in front of me? That's the goal of intentional boyfriend-girlfriend dating relationships. But you can't go into the first date being like, hey, you my husband, you know? Hey, you my, you, you understand? You can't go to the first date with that type of weight. You know, when, when the boys were younger, we used to read the story, and, and we have a seven-year-old now, and maybe you guys, some of you read it, Are You My Mother? You remember the story about the little baby bird that falls off the tree, and, and it's like trying to figure out, like, goes to, like, a, a cat, and it's like, are you my mother? And then it goes to, like, you know, a dog, and like, are you my mother? And it goes to, like, a plane, it's like, you got to be my mother. You know what I'm talking about? Dumb, I know. But this is sometimes how we feel, like, when we put too much pressure on us in the first state. We're like, are, are you going to be my wife? You know, are you going to be my wife? Are you going to be my wife? Right? Are you going to be my husband? We can't go into the first date, like, with that level of pressure. That's, that, I'm not saying that either. What I'm trying to say is that we have to have, again, a development and understanding that, like, okay, you know, this, 
this could potentially move in that direction, but I'm not going to know the answer to that right out of the gates. You're not going to know that. And so the risk when it comes to more committed dating is that you're giving time and you're willing to give time to ask and discern that question together. Is God calling us to be together? Right? Yeah, is God, it's a trinity, so it wouldn't be plural, right? No, it would be singular. So is the Lord asking us to be together? And, and, and you do that through, through lots of different ways. But the way that you discern is primarily an act of, it's, it's, it's in the interior space. If you're only looking for the novenas to give you the answers externally, then you're going to be disappointed. Answers don't always come through the roses in the sky or the, 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 the sun dancing. At least for me, that's not the way it works. Maybe Father Andrew, maybe that's how you got it. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not that holy yet, so maybe that guy gets it, but that's not me, right? But you got to be able to discern. It's, it's an interior stuff. So the questions that you ask when you are dating somebody, the things that you feel, like, is he polite? Does, does he open the door for me? How is he when I'm, like, with family? Does my family feel weird around him? All those questions are part of the discernment process. Because if holiness is my will conforming to God's will, then your will, what you see, what you desire, what you want, what you experience, what you fret about, what you worry about, all of that is part of God's plan for you to help you better understand yourself and better understand what's happening in the relationship. So discernment is interior. It's it's one that, that we have to... We have to con- contend with the reality that we're in. We have to be able to ask questions and, and wonder and come to answers on our own about what we are experiencing. Because I've heard this, and people tell me this now, I've, I've heard this recently in counseling a few times. People who break up saying that, like, well, the Holy Spirit, you know, you're great, you're great, but God told me in prayer that we need to break up. <laughs> right, right, we're going we're gonna to throw a flag on that right now. No, it's not the way you do that. That's just wrong, okay? Truthfully, and the reason it's wrong is because you got to take ownership over what you see. And if there's something in the relationship that isn't working, then you have to talk to the person about it and then give that person an opportunity to grow. And if that person isn't growing or, isn't, or things still aren't matching up with their personality issues and you're still not meshing and still not collaborating, still not finding an ease in the relationship, then you can break up. Why? Because, again, if you look at the five stages, you're not married. Married is the only permanent one that lasts a lifetime. All the other ones beforehand give you the out. You can take the out if you need it. But I reiterate that discernment is this interior process where you are trying to wrestle with the questions that are before you. And wrestle with them. Ask the questions. If something's getting stirred up inside of you, if there's something that, that, that is really great, own it. Say it's really great. That's great. That's awesome. And sometimes we even have this fear that like, well, if it's really good, then it can't be of the Lord, right? Because everything the Catholic faith tells me that only the hardest way is the true. That's sarcasm again. Sorry. I don't know if you guys can hear me. But we come up with all these crazy notions that somehow just because it's the hardest path, that that must be the Lord. That's not the truth either. God desires our happiness. God desires our fulfillment. God longs for us to be happy, holy people. And that means even in our relationships. But the Lord has given us a brain for a reason, and he wants us to use that brain. And he wants us to be able to discern kind of interiorly what is going on.
All right, so five stages, friendship, here's a recap, uh, casual dating, intentional dating, kind of boyfriend-girlfriend stuff, moving into engagement, and then ultimately moving into marriage. What separates the five stages? Intimacy, commitment, and uh, responsibility, okay? So what helps you guide through all this? Well, your own heart and your own experience that you need to be paying attention to. All right. So... What are obstacles to this? That's clear enough. Well, what are the things that kind of get in the way or prevent us from being able to hear God's voice or really being able to discern or just casually kind of easily move through the stages? Well, I think there's a few things that I, as I've kind of reflected on this question. Um, the first one is this. is really just kind of as a culture, we've lost any sense of common language when it comes to relationships and common agreement when it comes to relationships. And so the challenge is that rather than having agreed upon culture, agreed upon terms as friendship or dating or engagement or marriage, we've obliterated all these terms. And now we think that every, all relationships are all the same and only the individual gets to determine what the value is of them. And now that self-determinism or that self-defining, certainly I understand everybody's got to make their own decisions. But at the same time, if we don't even have common language that we can agree upon, then it makes things very complicated because we don't really know what a path looks like anymore because I can choose and I can move in any direction that I want it. And it's all based on what I feel and what I want. It's like, no, no, let's, let's again, can we just agree kind of again on some, some terminology um, and, and, and agree that there's a progression that's here so that we can kind of move and, and understand what's going on. We can't DTR all the time, you know. It's exhausting. Where are we at? What's going on? And then we come up with all crazy words like situationships and other stuff that doesn't even make any sense. So that's one issue that I think I see, just to kind of put that out there. The second one is, I think sometimes is, is I've been working with, with younger folks here over the last few years. I find that with respect, one of the hallmarks of this generation has been a challenge in making decisions. That making choices is just more difficult. And I think, truthfully, the reason that decisions are harder is because you guys just have more options to do everything. Everything is available to you all the time. You want to listen to the number one hit single from 1961? Pull out your iPhone and ask Siri, and she'll tell you what it is, and we'll play that song. You want to listen to whatever the number one track is of last week? Ask Siri, and she'll tell you that also. So there's just so much more information that's always, always, always available to you. So many more options that it's hard to kind of sift through all of those. In addition then to social media, which you're always comparing yourself to your friends. And of course, your friends are always having a fun time when you're not around. I understand. That's what it is. FOMO. Come on, right? You know, so you have the sense of FOMO about everything, you know, so it makes it hard because I'm, I'm having a great time right now. Why did I pull up my phone to see what everybody else is doing? Oh, but they're having a better time because they're happy in the picture. Except that picture was the 10th picture that they took, and they spent 20 minutes picking the right filter for it before they even posted the darn thing. So it, it's not real anyways. But still, we all experience this difficulty, this being just content where we are and being able to make decisions. That. The other thing is that, Commitment's hard because what we also value now, it's like we used to have a time where you found security in the path that you were on and commitment and moving forward. Now we find security in keeping our options open. You know, I'm just going to keep my options open and I'm going I'm to go so far because, because that way if I can keep my option, as many options open, then, then, then it's all right. 
And so we have crazy terms like cookie jarring. You know what this is? It's like when you intentionally pursue a relationship or somebody online, just kind of people in the back burner. So, so when the current guy you're dating with, the current girl you're dating with, you just let that one go and you can always go back to the cookie jar and find somebody else. It's just exhausting. And that's not the way to discern. You can't really move forward if you have options open. So at some point, doors need to close. Options need to shut down. And you have to make decisions. And that, of course, requires courage and vulnerability and risk. And it's time, investment of yourself that you don't get back. So that. The last piece that I think that we struggle with um, as a society is perfectionism. And, um, and if you didn't see, there was that, uh, a little movie that came out recently called Encanto. <laughs> And there's a reason why this movie became super popular in the last couple months and why the soundtrack is super popular, because it puts his finger right on this issue. What's this, Luisa, what does she say to, to Mirabel? you know, pressure like a drip, 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 and, see, I can't even say it right, here we go, now, they'll never stop, whoa, whoa, thank you, come on, <laughs> come on, she's, pressure that'll tip, 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 till, see, I can't even get it right, I'm always messing it up, that, uh, just go pop, whoa, oh, Ruined it. See, I messed it up. Darn it. Should have gotten it right the first time. Anyways, but that song called Surface Pressure, what's it telling us? It's telling us, what's the whole movie telling us? The whole movie is telling us that as great, as gifted as you may be, uh, you're still more than that, okay? Obviously, you are, you're more than just a gift. That's what the grandmother says at the end of the movie. Anyways, so this isn't a talk about Encanto, although that could be its own lecture, but we're not going to do that right now. But nonetheless, the movie put its finger right on an issue that I think we're all struggling with, which is just this notion of perfectionism. And we don't give ourselves space anymore to just make mistakes. And you know what? I'm going to tell you all right now, nobody in this room is perfect. You are all going to make mistakes. And that, my brothers and sisters, is okay. It's okay. You're going to make mistakes in the classes that you choose. You're going to make mistakes in the guys that you date. You're going to make mistakes in the girls that you fall in love with. It's all right. It happens. It happens. The problem isn't so much that you make the mistake. That's not the issue. The issue is what do you learn from after you've made the mistake? And are you allowed, would you allow yourself to be humble enough to, 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 and compassionate enough with your circumstance to be able to learn from that experience so that you can be better the next time? But when we put so much pressure on ourselves to have to have it all figured out all the time and that I can't make any mistakes, that's paralyzing. And that prevents you from being able to move forward. See, trying matters. Trying matters. Even if you fail, when you try because you want to do something better, you want to move forward, trying matters. Even if it doesn't work out, it's, it's hard I understand I've had many ventures in my life blow up in my face, but every time I know without a shadow of a doubt that my attempt to try to make the situation better or to pursue this thing, whatever it is, was exactly what the Lord wanted for me. So we try. We try. So when it comes to relationships, you try your best. It doesn't work out. It's hard. It stinks. I understand. But then you do the process of grieving, have some compassion on yourself, be patient with yourself, and you learn, and then you grow, and then you'll be better and holier and more mature the next time. 
And unfortunately, that's the only way that we really grow. Because you can do a Google search for just about anything. You can get all the information you want, all the content that you want in the world. You can get that online. No problem. Any question that you have, ask Alexa, ask Bixby or Google Assistant or whoever else is on your phone. But wisdom? Wisdom's earned. Wisdom only comes the hard way. And so you have to be willing to, 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 to engage. You have to be willing to try. And even if you fail, you're going to get wisdom on the other side of it. And I promise you, you'll be a better person because of it. Okay? All right. So we have to let go of our perfectionisms. Um, we have to um, learn how to be better in terms of making choices and decisions in life. And, and we have to be able to, to just continue to grow in hearing what the Lord is calling of us in our lives so that we can, we can, we can hear him. See, see, the Lord made each and every single one of us unique and unrepeatable. That means there's a unique relationship that, that everybody in this room has, the unique relationship everybody in this room has with God that's different from me. Now, of course, there is a communal element of this. We're a Catholic. We're one holy Catholic universal. We're, we're one church for sure. But even within this one body that we, that we both profess our faith in, God individually speaks to every single one of us. And so we have to, by through prayer, be able, and through our experiences in life, be able to listen and to, to grow and to understand how God communicates to me, how God speaks to me. And I assure you, that if you're discerning and looking at dating as part of the discernment process, that God will be speaking to you even when you're going out and dating people. Again, set the boundaries. I'm not talking about sinful stuff. I'm just setting the boundaries and doing the right work. You will grow in your relationship with God through this process. Amen? Amen. All right, so as we transition to the question and answer part of the evening, uh, my one request is that... Uh, if, if I give you an answer that I don't like, that you don't like, uh, that you won't pull a Will Smith on me. And... I don't want to get slapped tonight, all right? That's, that's the only thing. Can we all agree to that? Is that all right? Are we, we good? All righty. Uh, so I'm going to read some of the questions here, and then, then we'll open up. So the first question here is... Um, Recently, I've been praying a lot with letting the Lord and his love be enough for me instead of yearning for human relationship. However, I also know that some initiative on my part must be taken in the relationships before me. And I cannot solely, on God, cannot solely rely on God just dropping a relationship into my lap. That's right, you can't. I've been struggling with temptations to beat myself up over the fact that I still yearn for human relationship, but I'm trying to pursue God alone. Do you have any advice for pursuing the balance between these, these two things? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Okay. Well, I guess I, this isn't, I, I'm, I guess I'm a little lost uh, if this question is specifically relating to dating, like if you're yearning for dating relationships or just friendship in general. And so if, if this person is yearning for, for friendship in general or relationships in general, then I, I wouldn't be so, it seems like there's a, there's a false dichotomy here uh, between relationships and God. And somehow, if we were holy enough, that God alone would suffice and that God alone would be enough. And, and, and I would say, like, not necessarily. I mean, like, well, yeah, God alone, of course, obviously God alone suffices. But it's the manner in which that he provides. And we are, we are in community. Jesus incarnated himself. And the way that God chooses to provide usually is through the everyday context of our lives. 
unless this individual is particularly discerning um, like uh, a cloistered discernment or something of that nature where there's, there's more, more privacy with God, that's a different question here, but I don't think that's what this person's asking. So the temptation to beat myself up over the fact that I still yearn for human relationship, again, I, I would really encourage you, whoever this person is, to bring this question to spiritual direction. Um, and Father Andrew is great. Um, as Father Josh offers direction here to the students also, Father Josh. And to just, through the, through the privacy of spiritual direction, this question could be sorted out to try to understand if maybe there's a scruple going on here or misunderstanding about who God is and, and how he provides for you. So um, I think that's sufficient to say. Um, so we'll stop there. Second question. Hello, Dr. Mario. I was wondering if you had any advice for women who are single and desiring marriage but feel like there are no guys asking girls out. Gentlemen, get on it. That's what she just said. It can feel discouraging and impossible to find someone. What does Christ have to say about all this? I don't know what he has to say about it. He wants the men to ask the girls out. That's what he wants. It's, but maybe, I don't know. But I'm, I, it's 2022, ladies, right? It's like, you can talk to a guy. I'm just saying, like, it is... It is, it's not 1950 anymore. I mean, I mean, I'm just being honest. But if you, if you, if you, it like, you don't have to come on strong and be like, hey, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I stupid. Who talks like that, right? But like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, but, but I do, th- so, so first things first, this is what I would say, right? Guys, this is permission right here. This is, every woman just giggled, you know, with this question, because any one of them could have, could have submitted this. They're basically saying, guys, ask us out. Ask us out. It's okay. Remember what I said a few minutes ago about the whole trying thing? Try. It's all right. Now, I understand that it's a a closed community here, and people like to talk all the time. And you're like, hey, did you see so-and-so sitting next to so-and-so in mass? And maybe there's a little bit of gossip going on. So maybe we can cut that out, all right, and let people just kind of do their thing and not be in each other's business. CTK, maybe, yeah, all right, we could do that, all right? Because some of that kind of puts a little pressure because the guy's like, hey, I like so-and-so and I want to ask so-and-so out, but I know so-and-so is friends with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And if I ask her out, then how quick is this going to get back to, you know, whatever. So maybe we just need to kind of respect each other's privacy a little bit. Maybe that's part of what's going on here. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I have no idea. But gentlemen, like, again, if we're going back to the stages, you're not asking her to marry you, okay? That's not what you're doing. Just asking her out for a cup of coffee, for a drink, for uh, a nice walk around those beautiful lakes, um, or whatever a, a nice casual first date is. That's all you're doing. And so, gentlemen, coratio, and ask the girls out, because it seems like they want you to do it. All right. Great. Next question. Hello. I was wondering if you could give me advice. Uh, maybe. I don't know. That's, that was the question. That was it. That's all she said. I'm joking. I'm joking. Come on. <laughs> Great question. I can give you some advice. My boyfriend and I are in constant disagreements, and we do not know how to communicate very well. What are some practical steps we can take to communicate better and have less disagreements? That is a great question. So thank you for asking this, whoever you are in the room. Um, so when it comes to arguments, I think the, the one of the things you want to um, kind of assess is really is a few things. It's, it's how frequent are they? Okay, um, how often are you having the argument? How intense 
are the arguments? You know, are you cussing up a storm and calling them every colorful word under the sun? Are you, is, the, is, the, is it getting really inside of you and you're seeing red and you can't control yourself, right? How intense is it? And then the duration of the argument. How long does it take for you two to get over this? Okay? So let's say that again. Frequency, how often are the arguments happening? Intense, how intense are they? And then the duration, how long does it take for you guys to actually over, get over this? Um, because if it's happening very often, very intense, and, and you're having a hard time getting over them for days at a time, then that's not a good sign in the relationship. Because every relationship, the, the, the marker here, and this is coming right out of the research, is, is a five-to-one ratio. For every negative interaction that a, that a couple has, there should be five positive, po- positive moments that at least kind of counterbalance that. So, yeah, everybody, so like I said, nobody's perfect. No relationship's perfect. People are going to have moments of disagreement. That's what's going to happen. That's all right. As long as you have the five positive moments, the interactions, the hand-holding, the, the hugging, whatever, the compliments, those things that, that, that at least outweigh that. Couples that are 20 to 1 or whatever positive to 1 are doing much better. Couples that are less than the 5 to 1 ratio are, are not doing well. And if you're 1 to 1 or even in the negative, more negatives than you are positives, that's not a good sign either. Okay? So kind of a simple check within yourself to be able to assess kind of quickly the, the health of your relationship. But what can you do? Certainly, I think the, the, one of the basic exercises that we, that we as marriage counselors offer to our couples is to be able to do just a speaker-listener exercise. And so after you've had an argument, okay, after the, the, the knockdown drag on has happened, how do you talk about it afterwards? Do you, take, do you take ownership if you've crossed the line? If you said something about his mother that was inappropriate, okay, do you take ownership over that and apologize for it? And apologize for it, but not offer a but in response. You know, I, you know I'm really sorry that I said it, but you started it, right? Like, that's not a real apology, you understand, right? You take ownership over your side of whatever the issue is, and you, and you say that. And so if the two of you can at least acknowledge where the two of you have have. have um, have contributed to this negative dance that you're falling into, then that's a great first step. That's one. Second piece, though, is if you're able to get to a deeper understanding of what your triggers are. Now, this is getting, you don't do this with the casual person, right? This is, this is when you're in a more committed relationship and starting to ask these questions. If you're getting into a knockdown drag out with somebody you've only gone three dates with, peace out. Cut it loose. We done. See you later. We'll find somebody else. There's plenty of people here at CTK to go out with, you know, right? Let it go, okay? But if this is somebody that you're more committed with, then, then you owe the person at least an opportunity to be able to try to understand what's going on. And if you've tried and tried and things are getting better in that the frequency is decreasing, the intensity is decreasing, or the duration, our ability to overcome this is decreasing, thumbs up. That's a good sign. That means the relationship's growing. If you find that after a couple months, despite your best efforts of offering apologies, of trying to understand what the, what the issues are, what could be contributing to, the, what could be triggering this type of response, you're trying your best, but it never seems like you can get out of the mud and the relationship is still always kind of an effort and it's always a draw and you can't seem to get past it and no matter how hard you've tried and it's been six months and every time you get together you're talking about the relationship and not actually being in the relationship and whenever he texts you're exhausted because you don't want to answer it because you don't want to get into it right now. This is, you understand what I'm saying? If that's you, 
it's time to discern whether or not it's time to let this thing go. Okay? So you try your best, as I've been saying. You move forward. You do what you can to try to repair the stuff. And, and, if, and if things get better, if after a few months, you're genuinely learning and growing and understanding one another, and that's happening, awesome. Keep moving forward. If despite your best efforts, it's not happening, then, then you have to let it go. Because disagreements happen for a whole host of reasons. One of them simply, honestly, the most benign reason is just two very different people, two very different personalities, two very different ways of being able to see the world and to interact in the world. And sometimes those personality differences are too much to overcome. And, and that's okay. doesn't mean anybody's wrong. It just means that you have to let it go and, and, and find somebody else that might be a little bit more of a compatibility match with you. Okay? So, um, so those are some of the practical things that I would say in terms of somebody who's having uh, disagreements and what you can do to disagree less. Again, I, I am a, I'm obviously a therapist, so I'm a fan of therapy. And if it's getting to a point where you really do need to see somebody individually to talk through some of this stuff, please go ahead and find somebody to talk to because I think that would be helpful for you as well. Okay, next question. It seems there is a lack of good Christian men today. Did only women answered questions? Come on, like... What's up with this? Was this website open to the men also? Is this... Did this only go to the ladies? All right, come on. It seems there's such a lack of good Christian men today. I don't think so. There's a lot of guys in this room, right? Come on, man, you give it up, right? No, never mind. Even, even the men are like, yeah, there really aren't. I don't know. I'm not sure what he's trying to say. All right. If I'm convinced my vocation is marriage, but I can't find anyone to date, should I give it up? Bless you. Should I give up the search for a Christian and just say anyone that seems nice if they don't practice a faith? Great question. Great question. Great question. Great question. Great question. First and foremost, you're in college. Okay? And I mean this sincerely. Like, you're in college. You're somewhere between 18 and 22. You have your whole life ahead of you. And you don't have to have a spouse by the time you graduate LSU. All right? So, first and foremost, let's just remove that pressure. Okay? It's okay. If you don't feel in your heart that you're not able to find a good Christian guy that you are compatible with personality-wise, value-wise, political-wise, whatever it is, um, that you're just not matching well with anybody in this community or any community, I guess, then yes, of course, you are certainly free to, to date people who aren't Catholic or aren't Christian. Like, that's not, it's okay. You can certainly be open to dating people as long as, again, they're people who are respectful of your faith, respectful of your value set, and that you can still bring that to the table and still be able to have those type of conversations. But I guess what I feel more in this question than that is, again, the pressure that we were speaking about to have to have this figured out sooner rather than later. And maybe I'm wrong. Um, but that's at least what I feel when I read this question. Be patient with yourself. Um, be patient with your community. And, um, and if you do want to search, again, there are other Catholic schools. There's UL, not too far away. There's Tulane and UNO. And there's this thing called the Internet as well. And you can date people online. Like there's other ways of being able to meet other Christian men um, who, who might be able to meet what you're looking for if you're not finding it in this particular community, and that is okay. Or certainly, 
if you find a really good guy, and he may not be practicing his faith, but he's very respectful of your boundaries, physical boundaries, and he's very respectful and understanding of your faith and wants to support that, then that is okay too. All right. So there we go. Next question. How does one handle a breakup, especially when blindsided? Um, eat ice cream. Eat ice cream. Lots of it. Lots of ice cream. Eat lots of ice cream. That's what I would say. Um, no, I'm just joking. All right. So what do you what do, what do you do? Like if you if you break up, you you grieve it. You give yourself the space to grieve it. You cry. You call your friends, and you say, "This sucks." <laughs> and why did he do this? Or why did she do this? Well, actually, I don't know if this is a boy or girl. This could have been. A, this could have been. I don't know. It's, it doesn't matter. But like, <laughs> if you're blind, you grieve it. This is when you need community. You lean on your friends. You lean on your family. You lean on your priests or your campus ministers or your focused missionaries or the people who are supportive of you. You lean on family and friends when we are in our low points. This is precisely when we need community to support us. So that's what you do. Um, you, you grieve the relationship, and then you write something really nasty on his page. No, I'm just joking. You don't do that. Joking, joking. You let it go. You grieve it, as I said earlier, even if you're blindsided by it. Um, you may not get all the answers, especially when it's something that's blindsided like that. You may not get all the answers from the other person as to why the breakup happened. Um, but maybe still inside of you, through processing with your friends and with your family, you can understand maybe there was something I should have been aware of. Maybe something, I, what is something I need to learn in this? What is something in this, in this breakup that, that, I need to, um, that I need to grow from? I need to grow from. And, and so you, do, you grieve, and then you grow, and then you get ready. To, for, for the next relationship. That's what you do. All right. Last question here, and then we'll open it up. What are the most common components you see in couples whose relationships are happy and holy? Great question, especially following the other one. Um, well, I kind of said it earlier, but um, really, the, 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 so dating relationships, ones that I think are, are, are going well, is I really think an underestimated value is, is, is rest, is ease in the relationship. Now, that doesn't mean it isn't hard work. It's still hard work. But there's a sense of ease in the relationship. And the best way that I can describe this is um, my third son, uh, he play, started playing baseball last year. And he's 12 right now. He was 11. And he's been asking for years to play baseball. And truthfully, I've said no because baseball's played in the summer. And in case you didn't realize it, in southern Louisiana, it's hot in the summer. And I didn't want to be out there in the summertime. So, so purely selfish, right? This is dad. This is terrible. Don't say anything to Noah. My, son, my oldest son's right here, right? So, so he's going to rat me out tonight when we get home, all right? So that's the truth. The truth is purely selfish, purely selfish, right? So we get to the pandemic, and there's no baseball. It's like, great, no baseball. And so then the next year, it's like, dad, can we play baseball? And we got all those stimulus checks. And I was like, well, I can't say there's not enough money because we just got all this money. So, and then finally, I'm like, okay, let me suck it up and let's play baseball. Right, so let's go play baseball. So we sign him up at the playground, and he plays baseball. He's played basketball. He's played soccer. He's played football. He's played them all. Had a great time. He's a good athlete. He's great in everything. But lo and behold, guess which sport he's the best at? Freaking baseball. <laughs> I wanted the one year where I was like, well, you tried. You know, Slugger, you gave it a good shot, but you really weren't that great. So we're going to go back to something that's indoors, like basketball, right? So 
But no, freaking baseball is a sport that he's really great at and motivated at and loves it. And there is an ease with him playing baseball that isn't present in any other sports. And so I've had to go to confession and, and beg the Lord for mercy of my own sinfulness and selfishness on this issue. But what I'm seeing with him is now that it's easy, like ease in the sense that like his body type fits it, he gets the game, he understands it. Guess which sport he's out there playing by himself for 30 minutes a day? Baseball. He'll go out there and hit off the tee. We have the net, the whole bit or whatever. And he's more motivated to go do that. Why? Because he enjoys it more and it's a little bit easier for him than all the other sports have been before. That is kind of what I'm talking about when it comes to relationships. You may feel like you're dating people and it's always kind of this friction, 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 friction. But every once in a while, you may find the right person where it's like, oh, we click. Hey, you're pretty easy to talk to. That's awesome. And I can share stuff with you and I can trust you. Hey, that's awesome too, right? So what am I looking for was the question, what's one of the common components you see in couples whose relationships are happy and holy? This right here, conversation, chatting, praying, resting together, an ease in the relationship. You still work at it, of course. You're still invested in it and committed to it. It's not like you just take the person for granted. But like there's something in this that's different than other ones. That's one component. When it comes to marriage, I would say definitively the things that I said earlier, the biggest temptation for marriages today, the biggest temptation for marriages today is that we're so doggone busy. In relationships, it's very, very easy to drift. Very, very easy to drift. How many people like to go hiking? Anybody likes to go hiking? Tunica Falls, anybody done Tunica Falls, right? Clark Creek, you know what I'm talking about? Clark Creek's great. You do the whole thing, it's awesome. The first part of it's great. And then the last part of it sucks, right? You're going up that hill for like a mile and a half. When you're going up that hill back to the parking lot and you're no longer in the cool waterfall and you're slugging it up, sometimes you just kind of get focused. If you're like me, you just get focused and you just kind of walk it, you know? And every once in a while, you stop and you realize, where did my party go? They're all the way back there, right? That's kind of what happens in marriages. It's like you, sometimes you're just kind of busy. You're going, you're doing your thing. And all of a sudden, you're like, where'd she go? She was right next to me. She ain't there anymore. What happened? I need to figure this out. Backtrack. And then you try to get back together and try to move. That's the hardest part of this thing is keeping these ships aligned heading in the same course for the duration of your life. Because it's very easy to just start drifting, and then all of a sudden when you drift, you have to be aware of that, and you bring it back together. So the common components that I think are, are ease, friendship, friendship, friendship is a key to any relationship, whether you're dating or whether you're married. That's two pieces. Third piece certainly is, if you, is, is prayer and, being, and feeling free and being able to pray together and share your faith together, for sure, absolutely. And then the last piece, sincerely, in terms of a common component that I see in relationships who are happy and holy, are couples who are attracted to one another, okay? Because that is part of what you do when you get married, okay? So you should be attracted to the person that you're dating. People are snickering. What is he talking about? I don't know what he's talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you guys had the birds and bees talk? Everybody? Make everybody feel real uncomfortable now. Jeez. All right. Yes, you should be attracted to the person that you're dating. That's what makes, that's part of what makes it different than just friendship. You actually get to kiss the person and it feels great, right? You can't do that with your buddies. That's just weird, all right? So those are the components that you're looking for. Friendship, 
ease, attraction, and faith. And if you can, if you can bat a thousand on that, and then thumbs up, things are great. Okay. That's what we got for now. All right, we got plenty of time. So let's open the sucker up. Who's got a question in the back? First of all, I want to thank you for coming here and speaking to all of us. It was really a great talk. Um, so for my question, as someone who really enjoys like staying inside and not meeting a lot of people, sometimes I could find it hard to like, I guess, go out and meet people and like even establish friendships. And even, I don't even think about getting to that point of a relationship sometimes. So what would your recommendation be for someone who's trying to go out and meet people, maybe not even for a relationship, just like friends and just trying to get to know everybody? Thank you for, for asking the question. Honor your introversion, okay? That's part of who you are. And, uh, and the extroverts seem to have all the fun, but the introverts have a lot of fun too. So you want to honor your introversion and honor and recognize that that's part of who you are. If, if that's who you are, then you own that, and that means that the people who you're going to surround yourself with are going to be individuals who are going to respect that part of you. And in, in terms of common shared activities, common shared activities should be built around those type of things. So if you like to read or if you like to have book studies, then hey, we have anybody else want to read? What's your name? Josh. Josh is looking for some buddies, right? Girls, Josh is looking for somebody to read with. You know, I'm just, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out, Josh, right? I'm doing you a solid right now. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is, 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 is so you, you want to put yourself in environments with people who, who support you and understand that and, and share that type of quietness with you. Okay, so that's one. The second time, though, like, you still need to kind of push yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone, okay? So you might not be the guy who signs up to, to uh, you know, uh, I don't know, be the welcoming committee at the next retreat or something. I don't know, making something up, right? But maybe there's something else that you can stretch yourself with to, to be a little bit more involved and a little bit more out there, so to speak. Um, and so find what that next step is. There's Whenever we're making changes in life, there's it's like a rubber band. You can, you can stretch it too much and it snaps. And that's not healthy. Or you cannot do anything and, and that's not growth either. You want to find kind of a little bit where there's a little bit of tension. And so I would say discern what that is for you and be willing then to, to put yourself out. Um, what you just did right now was, was, was a step in that and I want to honor that. Um, and so, so thank you for asking that question. It really means a lot. So thanks, John. All right. Yes, we have men asking questions. That's what I want to see. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being here, doctor. Uh, question for you. Uh, what are your, yeah, what are your thoughts on, this is kind of geared adding men right now, but what are your thoughts on men just saying like, hey, you want to go have lunch or have coffee without actually, uh, yeah, calling it a date, like leaving some, maybe some ambiguity about what it might be. Is it a date or is it, or are you asking for friends? Because, there, hold on a second. The, the reason, no, 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 I know you're asking, no, the reason it's important is, women, do you want ambiguity? Say it for me. No. Ask your question again. Yeah, well, I guess that's, that's what I was, the, I was getting at with the question is, like, it seems like this is a culture of, of things, like, let's have, a, like, people having things, these, ambi yeah, and I just, I just, like, it's like, happens everywhere. 
And it's kind of normalized, I guess. I know it's normalized, and it's no. All the ladies just said we don't like ambiguity because then we have to talk about it for hours afterwards. Did he ask me out? Was it a date? I don't really know. I don't really know. What should I wear? Because if it's just us hanging out, I can wear whatever I want. But if it's a date, then I have to make sure my hair is done. And it puts a lot of pressure on girls. Make it clear. That's what it is. So if you want to go out with her and you just want it to be friends, hey, we're just, we're just, we're just friends. We're just bees. Perfect. Great. Okay? Makes it easier for everybody. But if you're asking her on a date, and ask her on a date so that she knows what the expectations are so it's clear and easier for everybody involved. Fair enough? Amen? Amen. All right. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. What is, like, the significance or what ought to be the significance of physical intimacy in the different stages of relationships? Great question. Um, so what, what should be the significance of physical intimacy across the stages. Um, as I said earlier, you know, relationships grow and build on one another. So emotional intimacy um, and spiritual intimacy build on one another, and physical intimacy follows that. So if we look at, let's, let's start with defining that in marriage first, and, and then we can, we can retroactively put that into the other relationships here in terms of certain levels. Sex in marriage is the, the single most unifying act that exists in the world. That's it. There's nothing else that exists that, that brings two human souls and human persons together in such a profound um, and, and significant way. Um, and so the great lie of our culture is that casual sex is somehow better than marital sex, but casual sex is, is simply that. It's superficial. Marital sex builds on the friendship, on the experiences, on prayer, on the growth of the person, of the discovery of the individual. Do you spend your lifetime discovering who this person is? The newness of the individual, because we're all eternal beings inside this temporal body as well. So there's always something new to discover. So sex brings this whole thing together in a particular way. And it grows and it develops over the span of, of, of a lifetime. Now, of course, that also means that sex with the, with the weight means that it's open to life because life is the only, is what I'm saying, when it's unifying, it's so unifying that you bring a whole other human person into existence. An eternal soul, a new person created in the image and likeness of God is brought forth into this. And so the marital bond is the only place that has the weight to be able to hold the gravity of that, okay? So that's a five-minute kind of catechesis of what the church teaches and what we experience also. So how do we see level of that, levels of that kind of going out across the board? Well, let's start, let's start here. Casual dating, we're going to put that aside. We're going to start right here in terms of kind of intentional dating. Well, intentional dating then, as we've been saying, the, the, the gravity of it isn't, isn't at the same level as it is when you're married. But as I, said, as I joked earlier, there, there should still be some attraction that's there. And there should feel something. And, and, and when you kiss... Um, that it, 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 it shouldn't feel like you're kissing your brother, right, or your sister, right? I mean, it should, everybody's like, weird, that's weird. Why'd you say that? Why'd you put that on my face? I don't know. It's just what came on my mind. I'm sorry, all right? But you know what I'm saying? Like, it, like, there should be something that's there also, some attraction that's there. Again, please set the lines, you know, chastity lines are, are important, absolutely, because the relationship isn't over here yet. But there should be the, the development of that, the beginning of that. You should start experiencing that. 
as you're growing more and more with the person, as you're understanding them a little bit more, the, 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 the passion as well is, is growing. Now, again, I also recognize that when you first start dating, the newness of the person, and there's this energy, and there's this excitement, and there's this like, whoa, this is great. And so maybe after like six months, that kind of tapers down a little bit. And, and that's all part of it too. Because the truth is, you can be infatuated with anybody. Okay? Infatuation is just infatuation. It's just all. It's just, just an emotion. You can be infatuated with anybody and have real spark and real chemistry, and, and it's like, yeah, that's great. But that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, like, there's got to be real substance as well. It's like when you grill, you know, like when you grill, like you, you, you put the coals out, and you put the, the, the lighter fluid in the coals, and you light the thing, and initially what happens? The fire goes, and it goes really high. You throw a burger on that or a steak on that, what are you going to do? You're going to burn the outside, but you're not actually going to cook anything. It's going to be raw meat with crispy outsides. What do you do? You have to wait 20 minutes for that fire to die down and for the real heat to be there. And when the real heat's there, that's when you actually do the cooking. So think of that as an analogy when it comes to kind of the physical stuff as well. It's easy to have the, put the kerosene on something, be like, ah, fire, this is great. You know, it's all passionate, all the stuff. But that's not real. That's not real. You're not getting any real cooking done there, right? You got to let it settle a little bit and you get to the real stuff. So what I'm saying is that you want to start seeing progression of that. This is why I absolutely think that engagement should be short. Like as long, as, only as long as the venue allows it to be. Like that's it. Or, or maybe if you get engaged and you still have a couple years left in school or, or you, you, something, if there's real circumstances that prevent you from being moving forward in marriage, I get it. I understand that. But my general rule of thumb is I think the church says six to nine months, 12 months, max, that's it. Like, just make it as short as possible. Why? Because if we're moving towards marriage, the relationships and engagement, particularly in those last stages, when you are very close to wanting to be married to this person, you're feeling that desire grow more. And so you just, just practically speaking, you know, just, just make this short. If you're ready to move, ready to move forward. So, um, so in recap, right, the physical intimacy should follow the emotional and the spiritual intimacy. And we see the beginnings of that in this stage when we're just dating. Again, to a lesser degree, we're not going all the way. To a lesser degree, we're seeing that. Um, and then it grows a little bit more when engagement, and of course, it finds its fulfillment in marriage because of all the things that I just spoke about a few minutes ago. That makes sense? Anybody from this side of the room? There we go. Finally, somebody. All right. I don't bite, I promise. Hard. <laughs> um, so you spoke about this a little bit in your presentation about uh, the role of discernment and interior discernment um, and prayer and kind of, you know, discerning, like, are we even compatible, right? Uh, is this my vocation, et cetera? Um, I guess my question is, what are your sort of thoughts around preventing and over-spiritualizing of dating, of, you know, like, of just sort of that natural progression, right, that goes from, like, casual to intentional to engagement. What are your thoughts around, like, preventing a sort of, like, over-spiritualizing it to where you're ignoring, like, the practical and, like, the tangible reality of the relationship? Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm trying to answer that, you know, and hopefully I've, because I don't think over-spiritualizing things helps, truthfully. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't help. It's 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 a false. It's a false spiritual spirituality. And so, how do I think? It's kind of what I said earlier. Is is um, we have to engage. 
right? We have to engage, and we have to be willing to to uh, assess what we're experiencing and being honest with what we're experiencing. And so if we're kind of keeping our feet on the ground and we're talking to people and, and in good community that can support us, then if we can keep our feet on the ground, then, 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 then I think we're okay. Um, and that's where God wants us to be, okay? Remember, Jesus Christ incarnated himself. That means he, 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 he like, the, the, like the word of God became flesh. Um, and so, our, so why? Because every aspect, he wanted to redeem every aspect of our lives. And so getting overly spiritual, while that may sound exciting or, or, or more holy, um, isn't always more holy. Um, sometimes it's a, it's a false, there's a false hope in that as well, or false piety as well. Because I think even sometimes when we talk about those things, we may put too much pressure on the externals or the mark of my Catholicism is by, you know, how often I, I, I pray my novenas and I tell everybody about it or I say my rosaries and I tell everybody about it. Like it's, it's, it's not just about the external stuff. If you are praying your rosaries as part of genuine uh, devotion, then those things are meant to be kept private and more, inter- more, 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 more interior. So, so anyways, um, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question. I may be rambling, you know, but, but I'm just trying to say like, like your regular circumstances are, are, are where this is, where you're going to figure this out. Okay. All right. Well, ladies, no ladies, no questions. Father Andrew, you, you're not a lady, but you got a question. <laughs> um, you know, oftentimes I have folks come in and talk to me like, hey, this and this and this practically, reasonably about the relationship is not good, but I'm just so in love with them. I'm so in love with them. So like I have to be with them. Um, and, and so sometimes I have conversations with folks like, you do realize that over the course of your life, you're going to have strong emotions and fall in love with people who are not your spouse or like, so to understand that experience of this strong romantic feelings, how that needs to be reasoned through in making decisions about relationships and then have an expectation that uh, once you're married or whatever vocation you step into to understand like that's going to happen again. And then when you're committed, where do you go with that? How does that work? Yeah, so you're right in the sense that you're going to have attraction and, and the sense of infatuation with lots of people. So, But the particular question you're asking is if somebody's coming to you and say, man, I'm just so in love with this person, um, but, the, but the flags are there, you know, the red signs are there. How do, how do, what do you do? Well, like, you, you have to be, it's, this is really hard because you have to be really honest with yourself. Like, even if there's a lot of chemistry and there's a lot of attraction and a lot of that fire and a lot of that passion that's there, but if it's, if it's coupled with lots of arguments or um, a lack of chastity or a lack of respecting for boundaries or, you know, a, a disagreements or being disrespectful, if it's coupled with all of that, then different world visions, moral visions for sure, you know, if there's constant infringing on, on, on values and stuff, then, then you, you, you have to... You, you, you try certainly to, 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 to do what you can to improve this, but if despite best conversations and despite meeting, it's not getting any better, then, then you, you have to make a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is, is all of this. And it may be hard because 
it may feel really good, and it may, and it probably does, obviously, and it probably does feel really good. But if it's not, if the relationship itself isn't good, then then you this is what you offer up, and you say, okay, Lord, like I know I'm feeling a lot of chemistry in this relationship, but it's not coming with, but it's coming with a lot of baggage as well, and so I need a I need to offer this up. I need to let this go, with the hopes that maybe I find somebody else that can match, maybe not necessarily match the same level, but can bring a little bit more ease and a little bit more compatibility um, and being willing to let it go. But it's hard, especially when chastity lines get crossed. The reason, one of the other reasons that, 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 that we maintain kind of levels of modesty or chastity really is because once all that passion happens, as I said earlier, it's, it's meant to be this unifying act. And so if we're simulating that unifying act beforehand, it's really confusing to the body. And it's really confusing to the mind because it wants to have all that unity, but the relationship doesn't have the vows yet to, to, to honor that security. But the body says that, and so it wants that, and it's seeking for that, but it's not built on anything that's substantial to actually hold and support it. So, again, this is another reason why it's just, it's just you know, maintaining lines appropriately you know, in, in relationships. But I would say to this person, certainly, it's really hard. It's really hard because, because as they say, love is blind. Love is also dumb at times, right? And, uh, and we can convince ourselves, we can convince ourselves that we're in the right relationship, even though everything and everybody around us is telling us it's time to let it go. And, uh, and that requires courage to be able to let it go. But I can assure you in the long run, you, you should. So the last thing I'll say here, um, kind of before we kind of wrap up or open it for one more question is, is this. When you're discerning marriage, you're discerning marriage with, with a particular person but you're discerning marriage with a particular person as they are today, as they are today. So when you get married, you can't get married with the hopes that, hey, those 15% or those 20 things that he does that's really, really bad, that that's just going to go away at some point because we're just in love with one another. Not going to happen, right? You try to you discern the person as they are. And when you're committing to marrying them, you're marrying them as they are right now. Now, both of you hopefully will continue to grow as people for sure, but you, but you can't marry with like the few, hedging your bet that that is in fact going to happen because that may not happen. So you're choosing the person as they are today and, and because that's all we got. That's all we got. That's all we are is who we are today. Yeah, please. Absolutely. Final question here. Uh, what advice would you give to like say somebody who is, you know, thinking about or had already proposed and like thinking about like a longer proposal because of college, because of certain circumstances, what advice would you give for that situation? Yeah, yeah. In, in that circumstance, I'm 100% in agreement. I think that's fine. Circumstances are real, and, and maybe it's there's grad school or financial issues or things of that nature. So, so all I would say is, is, is in that is, is stay committed, you know, uh, honor the circumstances as they are, and just continue to work and continue to grow in the relationship. But if you're both in agreement in terms of the timing of it, having to be maybe a couple years down the line because of, because of practicalities in, 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 your, in your life and each of your lives, then as long as you're in agreement about that, thumbs up. It's all good. Okay? Two, two quick things to just kind of add. So in terms of Dr. Mario talking about the, the engagement, like making that short. So I think there's a lot of a wisdom in that and in, in some extent and then walking with a lot of folks in marriage prep uh i probably get asked to do like 40 weddings a year it's crazy so if, if you ask me to do your wedding and i can't do it sorry i literally can't do 40 weddings a year um but uh, to just before you get engaged 
make sure you're talking to someone individually and even as a couple, particularly if there's some difficulty, so that you can discern. Because once people get engaged, the pressure they feel to just have to get married is so intense, especially when money starts getting involved and all these things. So you're going through marriage prep and you're like, whoa, we never, we avoided talking about this really big thing. And now we're all engaged and everything has been sent. Like, talk about the things before you get engaged and talk with them with other people, please. Everyone will love you for it. And if you break up and it's really hard, it is going to be better to do that than to be married for 10 years, have three kids, and get a divorce. 100%. It's just real life. So take your time in discerning well before you get engaged and walk with folks. Yes? Yes. Awesome. Um, other thing, just wanted, so that first question about like wanting to be okay with God alone and struggling with like longing for someone else. So I think you rightfully so you directed that like, hey, have a personal conversation with, with spiritual director or something. But I want to say one thing. You should not shame yourself for wanting to be in a relationship. It is a human desire and a good desire. So to think that I have to go all the way, like I have to be completely okay with just me and God and have no semblance of a desire to be in a relationship, that's not human and that's not from God and it is not healthy. Now, I need to grow in my relationship with the Lord and cross a certain threshold where I am comfortable and at peace with being with the Lord and I'm not unhealthily grasping at another person to be in a relationship with them to make me feel good as a human. But to have some uncomfort and longing for a relationship means you're a human being and you bring that to the Lord and wrestle with him in that. So there can, there's, there's healthy lines and healthy thresholds, but if your expectation is you shouldn't, it shouldn't be painful, that's an unhealthy expectation. Yeah? Great. So... I got a plug. Can I, can I plug my program? Oh, yeah. Is that right? Sorry. So, so, so this is the shameless plug part here for the last day. So, uh, I, you know, I'm grateful to, to, to be here with you guys and to do this. I would encourage you, if, if, if you like what I've said or, or want to know more, there are flyers in the back with QR codes. Um, I've put together an, an online course called Dating Well um, that is 19 lessons that really kind of goes through the five stages I talked about. We get into the nooks and crannies of all of it. Nobody asks anything about dating apps. I have a lesson on dating apps, long-distance relationships, arguments, things like that, navigating. When to talk about what when he was talking, to, when Father Andrew was talking about conversations you should be having, when to have those conversations in the relationship. Um, some of the things we did talk about even now, uh, dating as a sermon. All, the 19 lessons, they're all... It covers through the, all the nooks and crannies of, of, of dating from friendship all the way to, to marriage. Um, the lessons are 7 to 17 minutes in length, so they're not meant to be overbearing on anybody's schedule. So you can listen to it, watch it, and then have reflection questions. And if you're somebody who likes something physical, then there are PDF transcripts of each of the lessons as well as the uh, reflection questions that you can take with you to prayer into the chapel. Um, so, so if you've enjoyed this and you want to get some more great advice about dating, and please check out Dating Well. Um, I do have a 20% off coupon for this week. Um, just use coupon code BAMASUCKS, and, uh, and, and, uh, and you'll get 20, 20% off. So. All right, all right. How about a round of applause for Dr. Mario?
Yes, yes, great. He has done great work in the seminary, great work with married couples, just a very wise man integrating his faith into it as well um, has been fantastic. So he said he's going to stick around a little bit longer. Uh, if anybody has any other questions or want to engage with him there, check out his uh, podcast, Always Hope. Lots of great, lots of great material on that as well. So we'll close with a blessing. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. Heavenly Father, we ask your anointing upon all those here, upon all at Christ the King and on this campus for a new, a new revelation of your heart for them as your sons and daughters, Lord. It's a deep, deep experience of that grace. And we pray for healthy and holy relationships that will bring about healthy and holy vocations. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thank you for listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. The ministry here is possible thanks to our generous supporters. If you would like to become a CTK Golden Giver or learn more, please check our website. Your monthly financial support reaches hearts across LSU's campus and beyond. Details can be found on the website at ctklsu.org.